0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18
1: plus. Good evening, everybody. and Welcome to another edition of the Sports Exchange. My name is Scott Morgan, off the Motor City Mad Mouth. Great crew lined up here tonight. Rick, Mr. Opinion, doing a lot of duty this week. Rick, welcome back.
2: Thanks, Scott.
1: George Icorn, my longtime colleague on this very program, uh, another lifetime ago, and now a new lifetime now. Welcome back, George. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. And of course, your, And of course, my star running back, good friend, Mel Farr Jr. Glad to have you back, Mel.
3: All right, great to be back, guys.
1: All right. Well, let, let me just go ahead and put out the uh, what you can expect in this show here tonight. There's been chaos in the professional golf world with the LIV uh, golf, uh, golf, as well as appreciating greatness. And when I talk about the LIV golf i'll get into that in a moment and we're going to talk about rafael ladal as well as frank gordonite so you know we're going to go from one extreme to another but when you talk about trending subjects there's no better way to do it so with that said as we talk about liv golf okay it is backed by greg norman and obviously i know the saudi it's there's saudi arabia money involved in this as well so let me set things out for you guys okay The purses are $25 million, the richest uh, in golf history, and the winners are getting $4 million. Uh, The last place golfers are getting $120,000, with the top players getting signing bonuses worth more than $100 million. Now, there is a shotgun series with a team format, PGA Golf Commissioner, Jay Monahan, by the way, is only getting paid $4 million a year. So it's safe <laughs> to say he can go ahead and feed his family. Sergio Garcia has resigned his membership. Lee Westwood has also resigned his membership. And what's interesting about this format is there are no cuts. So when you show up, you're gonna play. There's 54 holes. And you also have what you also have here is a situation where you're not worrying about going to Q school. And i have a feeling that you're they'll be able to get the middle tier golfers as well and there'll be seven regular events there will be a season ending team championship at the trump national with a 50 million dollar purse from october 27th through the 30th at the trump national golf course out in uh air now duval now again mind you the, the pga tour has responded by suspending 17 golfers Uh, from all events today. I mean, as I continue to look at this whole thing, it just blows me away on a lot of different fronts because as I told you, there's the shotgun start, the team format. So it kind of gives you that Ryder Cup approach a little bit where they have a little bit of everything. Now, as I talk about the fact that this is a major competitor for the PGA, uh, let me go ahead and mention some of the names that are involved. Phil Mickelson uh, obviously is one of the big kingpins of this whole deal. Number 15, Dustin Johnson, who actually resigned his membership. Uh, Number 21, Louis Oosterhausen, I believe his name is, is 21. Bryson DeChambeau, a lot of folks in Detroit should be familiar with him because he was part of the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and I believe he had his, they stopped sponsoring him today. Kevin Na is number 34. So DeChambeau is 28. Kevin Na is 34. Taylor Gooch at 35. Patrick Reed, 36. And as I mentioned, okay, Avoiding Q school means you're automatically going to qualify, regardless. And again, they're looking at some of these other guys. So, with that said, when we talk about the competition factor, when it comes to competing leagues, auto racing could look back at kart versus Indy, the nat- hockey. You know the World Hockey Association (WHA) versus the NHL, which subsequently led to a merger. The NBA versus the ABA subsequently led to a merger. And, of course, one of the big ones here you're looking at was the NFL versus the AFL. And, again, there's only seven regular events, so these guys are going to have to play a lot of events, and they can make a good living off of short ones, just, again, taking the risk on a new series. So I know I threw out a lot of information out there, as expected. So, Melfar, what do you think of LIV golf? Do you think this thing is here to stay?
3: You know, I don't know. I'd have to, I might have to look at it and watch it and watch the format to really get a better understanding of it. I know a lot of guys have uh, obviously <clears throat> gone over there. I think they were throwing a lot of money. There's a lot of money thrown at them, and a lot of guys are dissatisfied with the way that uh, things are going on the PGA Tour. So maybe it may lead to some changes on the PGA Tour. You know, I'm not sure. You know, you think back in the late '60s, I believe it was Arnold Palmer and. And Jack Nicklaus broke away from the PGA and established the PGA Tour. Um, so, you know, now you got now you got Mickelson doing something. And, and I think he's hoping that this will make golf better for everybody, um, make it better for the guys on the PGA Tour. So, you know, uh, you know, whenever whenever there's change, it's uncomfortable. And right now there's a lot of uncomfortable folks uh, on the PGA Tour, the way they're talking. Um, some of the players who decided not to go, and then I'm sure there's going to be a few more defections as time goes on. But you know, the, you know, the, you have to look at the stability of the organization. That you know, when I talk about the stability, I'm talking about the the competing tour right now, where they're getting their money from. How long are they going to stay interested? You know, is this a long? You know, are they in this for the long haul, or is this? You know, wh- what's the what's the why behind? The reason that they're doing it, you know, obviously Greg Norman is the face of that tour, um, but we all know where the money's coming from and how long will it be before they get bored? You know, what's it, you know, what type of commitment do they have to the game of golf? I don't know. So I'm at the, you know, I'm just going to take a wait and see approach and, and and see what see how it all shakes out.
1: Well, I know that there's no national television on it, so the only way you're going to see these events is through streaming. Then again, everybody's streaming things anyways, and as it turns out, we're streaming as well. So when you're getting involved with streaming, you're going to hit people, whether you're watching it on your computer or the TV. We know a lot of the new contracts are going to have streaming as well. So, Rick, obviously... I've said a mouthful and I want to emphasize the fact that there is no Q school and they're going to be able to get those middle golfers between 50 to 150 as I understand the benefits are actually pretty good for the caddies as well all their expenses are paid and you know I it's just a blo- it's just amazing how you have so many different uh layers of this whole thing and the fact that they're getting these top players with a 100 million dollar signing bonus my goodness Rick I mean where do you go with this whole thing? And then after you guys comment, George, I'll have you compare some of the other leagues on top of what your opinion is on this. Rick.
2: So, yeah, it's 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 crazy, you know, the PGA got some competition finally, you know, and I I, I hope it works out. This sounds pretty interesting. I haven't watched a golf game since probably Tiger Woods was in his prime. He he made golf exciting and this is exciting. You got three rounds. No, there's no cut. Uh you know, you got these big names like Dustin Johnson, uh, you know, huge name, Mickelson, Norman. I mean, these are big household legendary names, you know, that are going to uh, another golf uh, organization that's competing with the PGA and the PGA, they, they are totally being threatened right now. They totally threw the hammer on these guys and pretty much have barred them from ever being in the PGA again. So it's, it's amazing. I hope it lasts. It's just, I mean, a hundred million bucks. Who wouldn't take that? And I think Dustin Johnson actually made more money from this than Tiger Woods has made in his whole earnings with the PGA champ in the PGA. So that's that's what makes it astounding. It's just, it's the money, and it's just some different, and it's an easier schedule. I mean, who wouldn't take it? Now the question is, will it last? I hope it does. I hope it's not like a like a you know two, three year thing, and it just fades away and then what happens? So good for them and the PGA it's probably good that they need some competition and make their brand more interesting because it's it's quite boring to be quite honest with you. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, but stay tuned. it's it's gotten very, very interesting.
1: You know, before I let George Icorn get involved, I can't remember the last time I actually did a broadcast on golf. So if I'm going to the level that I'm doing a broadcast on golf, the subject has an awful lot of meat. And it's very interesting because, again, this is the kind of thing that as we all look back at leagues that have competed with each other, you know, now we have real competition with golf for a change. I'm not talking about the European Tour or, you know, where they cross over to the majors. And w- there's still a lot of things that we don't know how the majors are going to react. Now, from when I hear the PGA Championship won't allow these guys in, but we don't know about the U.S. Open. We don't know about the Open as as well as the other ones. I think you, uh, uh, you know, you go ahead, George, fill in the Grand Slams here with these.
4: Well, this is a seismic uh, earthquake in the world of golf. No question about it, guys. Um, and you know what? It, it It is now affecting, like you alluded to earlier, Scott, it's affecting these tournaments like the and uh, Loans uh, open here in Detroit, uh, which they've worked so, so hard is to bring back to the Detroit Golf Club the last several years. And now, as you mentioned, Scott, they lost one of their faces, which is Bryson and Chambeau. And also Phil Nicholson played at the uh, Open here in Detroit last year. So what this is affecting is affecting also a lot of the tournament tour stops. As I mentioned, Detroit and Fort Worth and Bethesda, Maryland, wherever they're going. Uh, of course, some of them have already taken place as, uh, you know, a good portion of the tour is already over as you guys know, they start in the fall and go and end with the tour championship in August. Um, so it is seismic. It is unbelievable. I mean, you're talking some big heavyweights, some big names that have made the shift. And, uh, of course, the elephant in the room is the Saudi money. And uh, some people call it blood money because, as we know, the Saudis were behind the killing of that a diplomat, a journalist. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people that are very upset with Norman, Greg Norman, uh, for going with this Saudi venture uh, because the Saudis have never come clean on why they killed that journalist, and I know a lot of people are very upset and won't give this tour the time of day. But politics aside, you brought up a good point, Scott. This brings back memories of those, uh, those rival leagues, as you talked about, with cart and IndyCars and with the NFL and the AFL. And those, some of those were short, but several, several were long battles, as we know, the AFL and the NFL, and, of course, the ABA and the NBA, and the rival leaves, WHA. Oh boy, that was a good one, Scott, uh, yeah, when, they, when they went against – because we had two teams in Detroit for, for that battle, for sure. We had the Michigan Stags and, of course, the Red Wings. And, of course, we know that the NHL won that battle as did the NFL and the NBA, etc. But I tell you what, I mean, this is earth shattering. This has really upset the PGA of America to no end. You mentioned earlier, no Ryder Cup, no President's Cup. These guys are banned and they mean business. Jay, the commissioner means business. That being said, um, you know, it's going to be very upsetting to the fans if they don't get a chance to see some of their champions and their favorite guys playing in some of these big tournaments and these uh, Grand Slam events.
1: Well, you know, we talk about some of these other leagues in the past. The NFL and the AFL got the best outcome they could because they merged, and you had the NFC versus the AFC, so you didn't lose anything there, but that was huge. And I know the USFL was attempting to make that move, but it didn't work because they were obviously in a spring league, so that's why I never even brought them up. But the WHA versus the NHL is different. I'll tell you why. Bobby Hall goes to the Winnipeg Jets. Gordy Howe, okay, goes to the at that time the New England slash Hartford Whalers, okay. And the list—I th- I think a uh, bunch of other guys went in there. I'm not going to get into a name dropping contest with the WHA, but they were landing marquee names. In fact, Gordy Howe went to the WHA initially with the Houston Arrows like a player of the Suns. Yeah, I mean, I think there were some. Uh, Bob, I, I believe, was it Jerry Chevers, I think, went there. Or, there were a lot of big names that subsequently made the move to the WHA. In fact, that for that matter, Gwayne Gretzky uh, got his start in the WHA. So yes. when we talk about that one being the biggest impact of the, of the other ones, you know, the NBA, obviously, they had Dr. Julius Irving came over, but he was with the uh, New York Nets and then they couldn't afford them in the NBA and they got moved over to Philadelphia so you were able to bring out a lot of great talent at the dispersal draft. So again, competition is good. It's just sometimes leagues or organizations definitely get you know rattled by it and I can tell you like you said George the word seismic to me is a perfect adjective to describe the state of the PGA Tour versus the LIV. Yeah, I'm not going to say moralistically it was right by what the Saudis are. This is not a political show. All we're trying to do is talk about the competition factor amongst leagues where you can make a lot of money, let alone the fact that you have one that's only playing seven or eight events all year. You know, there's no crime in wanting to feed your family. And some of these events are being played on American soil. So, you know, so to me, it's just unbelievable. You're right.
4: And they you know, they they think they've got 3 events so far scheduled in the United States and and listen, if this continues, they get big names like this, you know they're going to expand to bigger things. I mean, they're going to probably have um, you know, uh, 10 events before too long. Maybe only 7 are scheduled or whatever it is now and if this continues, like you said, they're waving this big money in front of these players, you know there's going to be a lot more they're going to want to jump and who knows? I mean, I, I think it could grow even bigger and become more, even more of a rival
1: than it is as it appears right now. Well, sure. It's your first year. only has so many events. But when you think about the season-ending championship, ending at Trump National with a $50 million person on October 27th to the 30th out in Doral, that's unbelievable. I'm not even talking about Donald Trump. But we all know that Doral is known for what the – is it the uh, blue monster uh, – Yeah, You know, that's a pretty challenging course for what I know. And, and, you know, so you've got that marquee event at the very end of the year. So, yeah, you're only talking maybe seven, eight events so far this year because they're just starting this whole thing. It makes you wonder where everything is going to go thereafter. And, again, I'm really curious about where the major events are going to take. So, Rick, any closing thoughts on this seismic move in the golf world?
2: Well, I hope it I hope it works out cuz I watch it. I'm interested and I'm not a golf fan at all. I haven't watched a golf game since Tiger Woods. And like I said the PJ has just been absolutely boring. They got these old archaic rules that've been around for 100 years and these and these new golfers now are like show me the money. And you know, they could care less about the the politics. It's you know, it's it's not all, it's not politics. It's just about who's paying more money, who's making an easier schedule you can't really blame them for going there. And a lot of them have been dissatisfied with the PGA. And eventually if this thing does grow. Like George says, I can see like a major championships going there. You know, they'll have their own PGA, their own, um, you know, Augusta, they'll have their own, you know, us open or some type like that. So wait to see what happens. But like, if this continues to grow and grow, absolutely more names will, will follow. And, um, I mean, maybe Tiger. I mean, who knows if Tiger goes there? I know he's been offered all that money, but he turned it down. But wouldn't be surprised if he goes there in a couple years.
1: Mel, some thoughts? I know you're taking a wait-and-see approach on this whole thing, as a lot of people really are. Again, this is something relatively new to everybody. But, again, the competition factor. And I, I think the one point you mentioned, Mel, that, you know, is this if it improves the conditions on the PGA Golf Tour, then I think it's a winner right there, don't you think, Mel?
3: Well, I mean, I don't know what the players' gripes are. You know, I I'm, you know I've never talked to a PGA player. I really haven't heard a lot about what their gripes are with the tour right now, whether it's the schedule, uh, you know, whether it's the cuts, whether it's uh, the number of rounds they play. I don't know. I, you know, I don't really know what their gripes are. You know, they, they've not been very vocal about what kind of issues they had with the PGA tour other than Sergio Garcia that one particular time had, you know, was upset about having to take a penalty stroke or something like that. Cause he took too much time um, finding his ball. And he said he couldn't wait to leave the tour you know, during that tournament. But so I really don't know what the gripes are, but you know, these leagues, these, these, these spinoff leagues have, it, you know, it's always been difficult um, but there has been good that has come out, come out of it. You know, when, when the WFL formed and uh, you know, they had a, they, they their big thing was they're throwing a lot of money at NFL players to come over to play in the WFL. You remember, you know, Larry Zonka, Jim kick and uh, Paul yeah. Warfield left. And uh, they were there, you know, they asked Zonka, what did he want? He said, I want a million dollars. And that's what they gave him. He couldn't believe it. And he couldn't turn that down. Yeah. Uh, Jim kick. They gave him a bunch of money. Warfield, they gave him a bunch of money, but, you know, they they weren't in it for the long haul that, you know, the guys the guy tried to explain to the owners that they're, they're going to lose money the first number of years and they needed to be prepared to do that. Well, once those owners started losing money, they, you know, they they jumped ship. They abandoned it, abandoned ship and, you know, kind of left the players hanging, you know, hanging, hang, hanging out there. So we know the Saudis have money, but we don't. What is their long term plan? You know, I don't know what their plan is. What is their exit strategy? Even with the USFL. You know, with Donald Trump, he got a little anxious. If they could have just held in there and not try to take on the NFL at that particular time, played a couple seasons, uh, because they got big players to come over there. They're getting them out of yeah. getting out of college. They had Jim Kelly over there. Uh, they had Warren Moon there. I mean, they, Reggie White was over there. Herschel yeah. Walker was there. I mean, they had some big time players in the USFL. But you know, they they got they got impatient. So we have to just see what the strategy is. And again, I don't know what the gripes are. Now with the NFL, I know Larry Zonka and those guys were very upset with how they were being treated by the NFL. They they felt they were not being treated well as players by the NFL. They're looked, they're viewed more as property than they were as people. And that that was the reason why they decided to defect and go with the WFL. Now it it may have changed some working conditions, uh within the NFL that, you know, even though that the league did make it, it may have made the working conditions a little bit better in the NFL than what they were prior to them leaving. So whatever kind of gripes they have right now, they'll have an opportunity to, to deal with them. Now, the key is, you know, like you said, big player, big name players have to go. Tiger Woods, I doubt he's going to go because he's chasing legacy. Phil Mickelson is a big time player, but Phil really, you know, he's over 50. He's um, you know, he's really more, on the senior tour, even though he, you know, he still plays on plays on the, on the, on the regular PGA tour, but you start getting some of these, you know, Ricky Fowlers, you know, obviously Shamble, you know, he's, you know, he's had some success out there. You know, DJ's had some success out there obviously as well. You know, you got some, you get a few more of those big name, younger guys, you know, in the, in the thirties, then the PGA tour is gonna have to take a look step back and look at themselves. And it's not so much that the, you know, as Rick saying that the, the game is boring. I just get tired of the announcers. They just sound so arrogant to me, and they sound like the PGA Tour, like we're the PGA Tour and we're better than everybody else. And no, you know, you know, they just, they just, they just, they. I, I don't like the way they announce the matches. I don't. Maybe it's either the announcers I don't like, or the way they they announce the way they announce the 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 the, 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 the matches that I don't like. That the guys are extremely to me in my opinion, extremely arrogant, most of those commentators.
1: Yeah, it's amazing though when I look at this list, and I'm going to repeat it again real quickly before we go on to the next subject, Dustin Johnson's impressive. We already talked about Bryson DeChambeau, Kevin Na, Louis Oosterhausen, Taylor Gooch, Patrick Reed. I mean, that's a pretty good start. And, of course, all Sergio Garcia does is add credibility to it. We know about, like you said, Phil Mickelson's on the back end, and Lee Westwood as well. I got to tell you, uh, George, uh, some other thoughts, and I have one other thing I want to mention about golf, and then we'll go on to the next thing.
4: Well, I, I again, I echo what Mel says. You know, um, you know, golf is, you know, kind of an elitist sport. Uh, you know, they're not relating to the average man or woman playing the golf. Of the sport of golf for leisure uh let's face it we we don't have the talent that these people do on the golf course and i think there there's a gap there between the audience like you said mel watching on television and hearing and uh, i never gave it too much thought mel uh and, and scott and rick about the announcers but yeah these guys are a lot of them are former golfers i mean jim nance is jim nance i like jim nance, yeah, jim
3: nance is good i'm problem with jim Nance. yeah
4: and uh, and uh, the guy on NBC, what's his name, does the Olympics too, not to Rico, but uh, Dan Hicks, wasn't it? Hicks,
1: yeah. he's
4: good. I mean, the old days, gosh, remember Jim McKay and and Pat Summerall, uh, Pat Summerall, Jack Whitaker did such a great job with golf. Um, but there is sort of a gap there, but uh, it time will tell. I mean, that's the big thing, like, you know, we can't rush and may haste haste judgment on this league yet because there's going to be time. There's going to be a fielding out process, and, boy, they're shoving the money down uh, to a lot of these players, but uh, time will tell whether there's an interest or not. And, then, Scott, you hit it on earlier. You know, are they going to get a TV contract? Because right now a lot of Americans don't stream. They don't stream news or sports, and I know some of them do. A lot of people do, but there's still a lot that don't. So if you don't have ABC or NBC or CBS or ESPN covering this, you're losing out. You're losing out a big audience there that's not even going to see these guys playing even though they are throwing all this money to them. So that's going to be, I'm going to be watching for that too, whether they land a TV contract.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath. I have a feeling they're going to put their eggs their, into the streaming basket. Now I got to tell you an interesting story about Jim Nance. So I was over at the National Sports Media Association event. He was honored. I asked him if he would ever consider baseball. Was, no, I'm happy with golf. He didn't want to take the baseball plunge. He really didn't. That right? takes a, oh, yeah. No, he told me. It was really nice. I mean, I talked to him, a really nice guy. I took a photo with a guy and everything. No, he didn't want to take the baseball plunge. In terms of what Mel said, uh, the Memphis Southmen were the ones that signed those former Dolphins players. That, that was, I believe it was Jim Kick and well, I mean, were supposed come to come Canada.
3: it was a, it was a Canadian. It was going, they were going to Canada first, but something happened. I can't remember what it was and ended up relocating. Yeah, North- I,
1: I know. Yeah. You're, I know who you're talking about. They were the Northmen and they ended up moving to the Southman and actually uh, the guy uh, who I actually had a chance to talk to with John Bassett at the time, who was the owner of the Tampa Bay bandits, really nice guy. I spent time with them because I did cover a USFL championship game and what was the problem was he had brain tumors and he didn't have the strength to go ahead and fight Donald Trump and tell him this is not the right move. Donald Trump simply wore him out. John Bassett, unfortunately passed away and didn't have the strength to fight it out, but it was too bad. The USFL was a heck of a league, but i they were in separate seasons. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of like you, Rick, I'm, I hope this LIV Golf does work and it does stimulate more competition. And I think we've cited a lot of good examples. But you know what? When Greg Norman puts his fingerprints on it, people really do have to pay attention if he's involved. I don't think he's just going to get involved. They got some pretty good names involved here. It's not like they went ahead and they're scrapping from nothing looking for credibility. They were able to get it off the bat. And I'll be curious to see what other ones affect. All right. Well, you know, what's interesting about where we started is we went from a lightning rod Subject to one where we're going to appreciate a little bit of greatness. And we're going to transition over to tennis. Yes, folks, golf and tennis on the same <laughs> show. And no, you know, I'm not delirious, but these are, how can you not talk about these things over the last week? Raphael Nadal, 14 French Open titles on clay, 22 Grand Slams, a career record of 1, 1158, 212 for 83.3 percentage, 92 career titles, fourth and open era. And Australian, obviously, uh, his Grand Slam is broken down this way. As I mentioned, 14 French, two Australian. Yeah, Wimbledon a couple and U.S. Open four. And if that wasn't good enough, his doubles record wasn't bad either. It's 65.1%, 138.74 and 11 more of those. So giving you a lot of numbers to forecast, who knows how many you'll remember. But I can tell you one thing, his Grand Slams and his win total is unbelievable. Rick, some thoughts about Rafael Nadal.
2: Well, um, he made history. To me, he's the greatest men's singles tennis player ever. You know, I, I thought I saw Sampras, and he was amazing. And then all of a sudden Federer came out. And I'm like, well, it's got to be Federer. And now it's Nadal. And I know we, you know, we, we always say, you know, numbers uh, really don't matter. It doesn't matter how much you win. But how in the world can you discredit 22 championships, 14 on clay, Just 14 in the French Open is to me is what separates.
0: 18 plus.
2: Nadal from Djokovic, who's second, Federer second. I think Sampras is third with 14, Emerson's uh, 12, and Rod Laver has 11. So those are the top five there. And um, it's amazing. I mean, no one's even close to, you know, the French Open, what he's won. They're not even in double digits. So it's amazing what he's done. I've always been a Nadal fan. I'm glad that he won. And to me, he's the greatest men's singles tennis player ever.
1: It's pretty hard to argue with those numbers. And I can tell you, George, before I turn to you, that when I lived here back in the 80s, I used to cover tennis for a weekly paper down here. And I actually played some games on clay. That's a tough surface when you're sliding all over the place. It's one thing to play on grass. It's another to play on hard court. But try to play on clay, and boy, it is not easy. And for this guy to win a Grand Slam 14 times on that very surface, my goodness. But, yeah, I I think that easily – Rafael Nadal can make a case for being ar- ar- arguably the greatest tennis player of all time. I don't care about other sports when you talk about greatness or not because of errors, the one thing that differentiates tennis from other sports, it's an individual sport is what it is versus team sports and errors. So I don't think errors come into play. So with that said, George, some thoughts about Rafael Nadal. Yeah. I, I admire everything that he's
4: done, everything you guys have said about him. I mean, he's, He is in such great shape. I mean, over the years, he has maintained uh, his health and obviously the wear and tear on his body. He is a epitomizes a true athlete. And I'm not taking anything away from anybody else that uh, has played different sports. Uh, but, But Rafael Nadal has kept at such a high level, as you mentioned, all these years and playing on that clay surface. And, yeah, he doesn't have as many U.S. Opens or he doesn't have as many Wimbledons as some of the other guys, maybe. But altogether, his total package is unbelievable. He has really been a highlight of men's tennis for all these years now. And I know he's had classic matchups, and he's lost quite a few against Rafael Nadal. But, you know, it's been, I mean, against um, uh,
3: Federer, Federer,
4: Federer. Federer, thank you. But there have been some classic long, long matches against the two. And, you know, all I'm saying is that uh, he is a fantastic person as far as his athletic ability goes. But he seems to be a good guy, too, when it comes to, you know, his interaction with the fans and the, and the uh, people on the, in, the, in that sport of tennis. I admire him. He's been fantastic. And, and Scott, I have used to cover tennis, too. I covered World Team Tennis. And we had a chance to see a team in Detroit called the Detroit Loves. I remember that. And, and, you know, Rosie Casals and Billie Jean King uh, started that league. And uh, tennis has come a long, long way. But, yes, it is an individual sport. But there is a component of that being team tennis and doubles and mixed
1: doubles, too. Uh, but Raphael has done a great job. I admire him. Terrific well my first project here in deerfield beach florida was actually the linda carter maybelline tennis tournament here right in my backyard never thought i'd be living in this very city and i had a chance to meet a lot of the female tennis players andrea jaeger as well as a bunch of other ones and then i ended up covering uh a tournament down in miami i believe was in the turnberry the Hamptons, with jimmy connors as you well know in your book as well as other and bjorn borg so you know and i've covered a lot of them Jimmy Arias. But, you know, with all due respect, losing Roger Federer isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, he's a heck of a player. And we all know that tennis is known for the rivalries. When you talk about in the past, Jimmy Connor at the orange board, John McEnroe, all the way what you have now. So, Mel, you know, Rafael Nadal, what can you say about this guy? Well, he I mean, he's, uh, obviously has
3: played at a very high level for a long period of time. And that's a, a, a tremendous tribute to him. I mean, you see guys now are able to play at a high level, uh, for longer periods periods of time. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> for longer periods of time. Look at Tom Brady. Uh, you look at the Williams sisters. You know tennis. When I was growing, I was really a young man, a young person. Sport, um, late teenager, early twenties, and once you hit thirty, you're over the hill. It was done. Yeah. You know, Martina Navratilova played a little bit longer. Um, I think Chrissy Everett played a little bit into her thirties. Uh, we saw Andre Agassi play a little bit left leave for a while and then come back and play at an incredible level in his thirties. But, um, generally, you know, tennis is a, is a young person sport, and for him to be doing what he's doing, you know, continue to play at the level that he's playing at with the, with the amount of talent that's out there. And obviously he dominates on the clay. I mean, that's just his surface. He's just extremely good on that surface. He knows how to manage it. He knows how to move around on mm-hmm. that surface. So he's been extremely successful on that surface. That's why he's won so many tournaments on that, on that surface. But, well, just a, the, you know, people don't understand the amount of work. I mean, tennis, men's tennis, you know, had to play five sets. That's grueling. If you had to play a five-set match, that's grueling. And out there in the sun, I mean, those things can last hours. And you have to have very good cardio in order to do that. You have to be extremely fit. You have to be strong. Um, you, know, you, have to, you know, your legs have to be in good shape to be able to, to move. And, and get those balls no differently than in basketball with Steph Curry doing, what he's doing. You know, he's got to have some good win and he's got to be strong because in the fourth quarter comes around, if he doesn't have the same elevation on his jump shot, his jump shot's going to be short. So for him to be able to do what he's doing this late in his career, you know, it's remarkable. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's amazing here in Southern Florida. I had the good fortune many years ago in the 80s to write a story on Claire Everett, Chris Everett's younger sister. What a nice young lady. And we all know that the Everett's are really known uh, for their presence in Southern Florida. That's where Chris is from, anyways. So it's unreal. You know, I mean, talk to Claire. She was a a tennis prospect at that time. And again, you know, when you talk about those marathon matches, now you want to know one of the most savvy things I've ever seen was an Ilya Nastasi had a tournament down in North Miami, it was supposed to be a three cent exhibition, but when he saw how much money he can make on it, he made it a five set at the Hampton <laughs> and the players did not like it. You know what? Connor said, Ellie, that's not what we signed up for. But he said, come on, Jimmy, cut me some slack. Well, at that point, they're already there. So were Jimmy and Borg going to say no and leave? Now, they went along with it. But let me tell you, whether they ever got involved with another tournament with Nastassi, changing the rules up. Because like Mel said, you know, the women get to play three sets. And the men found themselves going from three to five over the Hamptons Invitational. was unreal. I had a chance to cover that event. So it was pretty cool. All right, well, so we'll go from one thing. So now we've gone, okay, from golf to tennis, and, yes, our favorite sport, football, maybe. I don't know. Why am I wearing a Miami Hurricanes hat and a Miami Hurricanes shirt? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you didn't know a whole (laughs) lot about the person we are talking about either, George, but to no fault of your own, no big deal. The only U of M you know is the University of Michigan. You don't know much about the University of Miami, but you're a Metro Detroit guy. You get a mulligan for that. But the guy that I'm talking about now is Frank Gore played for the 49ers, Colts, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, five-time Pro Bowler, the most games by a running back ever with 241. The guy stands five foot nine. So Frank Gore retired from the San Francisco 49ers as is the third leading rusher with 16,000 yards, 81 touchdowns. And he also had 484 receptions for 3,985 yards along with eight touchdowns. He's 39 years old. His career spanned from 2005 to 2020, all of 15 years. But here's the thing about Frank Gore. He had two ACL injuries in college with the Miami Hurricanes. He was a 2005 third-round pick, 65 overall. And his durability was obviously a question mark. And in the eyes of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Okay, don't give up on this guy, you know. And, of course, many years ago, Joe Montana was a third-round pick of the 49ers, so I think the 49ers have had pretty good luck in the third round. So, you know what? I got a running back on the show. I might as well talk to the running back about the running back. Mel, what are your thoughts about Frank Gore?
3: I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for Frank Gore. I liked him in college. Um, I liked him when he went to the, when he was drafted by the 49ers. Uh, he's, you know, he's not a flashy guy, um, nothing that he does exceptionally well. He just does, you know, everything at a, at a very high level. Um, great balance. Uh, you know, he's not, not a very big guy, only five, nine, about 210 pounds, something somewhere in that area. Um, but just got the job done and was, was, uh, always available. You know, the key in, in, in the NFL, you know, your best quality is availability. And he's always been available. He's been durable. And that's what's enabled him to play as long as he played and amass the the amount of yardage that he was able to amass over the time of his career. I mean, 16,000 yards, that's a lot of yards. There's no question about that. But I have nothing but respect and, and admiration for him and what he was able to accomplish in his career and wish him the best in retirement.
1: I mean, think about the guy at 16,000 yards and he had two ACL injuries in college back in two thousand early this century that it's uh, i know years ago a knee injury was a career ender we all know with modern medicine being what it is you nobody knows it better than you mel you know in terms of what these knee injuries are the debilitating ones and i can think of all the running backs to talk about here but when you think about frank gore what his legacy is durability 241 games played george eichhorn i mean i know now you're talking about a different U of M here, but what have you learned about Frank Gore?
4: Well, you brought up a good point. I mean, he only played 28 games in four seasons in college. He missed a one season entirely, right. uh, so basically, 28 games in th- in three seasons was not as spectacular as some people, uh, you know, thought. But like you said, he had the injuries. Um, but boy, oh boy, I tell you what, uh, Mister Durability, Mister He. I tell you, you know, you know, I always think of Barry Sanders, obviously, being from Detroit and obviously, Mel, your dad played here, too, with the Lions. And uh, but Frank Gore and the 49ers and some of those great teams he had. And I know, you know, he played for a lot of other teams, like you said, Scott and, and Mel and, and Rick, but uh, just a great, great career. I mean, he 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 would not ever give up. I mean, his attitude, gung ho attitude, play the game, play it hard carry that ball will run and catch the ball whatever he had to do on that offense when especially with the 49ers uh he had some great great memories and great games and uh and you're right i mean through the test test of time as they say i mean all these years and being third right now all time uh but but like you said scott earlier i mean you know to think about it you know his career at the university of miami was cut short, uh, injuries, and and less games played than a normal guy coming out. But that didn't hold him back at all. He had a fighting spirit and had a hell of a lot of talent. And it shows that durability for a
1: running back is something we don't see much anymore. Well, when you judge players, number one, just because they get hurt in college, you still have the pro day and you also have the combine so you have those things working with you but i think what makes you know frank gore so interesting and great is he never had off the field issues he was just a stand-up citizen is what he was and a heck of a player i've often wondered what barry sanders would have been like had he had been able to catch a football on the backfield we'll never know but if you get him in space he's off to the races so you know so it's more power to Frank Gore. I think he signed a one-day contract to join the 49ers, <laughs> and he went ahead and retired as a 49er, and I think he's looking for a spot in the front office, you can rest assured. He'll get medical benefits, and he'll be in the 49ers Hall of Fame. So, Rick Curdy, will give you the final word on Frank Gore before we call 49ers it Forty The 49
3: Hall of Fame He's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What are well, you
1: talking that about? Too. well, no, he's going to be in both. He'll be obviously in the ring of honor for the 49ers as well as a Pro Football Hall of Fame, Mel, and rightfully deserved. I mean, think about 16,000 yards. What is the average career of a running back, Mel? Three to four, five years? That's it? You tell me. Yeah, I mean, and you know, what,
3: he's third all-time rushing, right?
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, man, that's saying a
1: lot right there, man. That's a lot. Yeah. It's I mean, a lot of yards. Let alone with the injury. No, yeah, we know he's headed to the, his next stops, Canton, Ohio. We know that. So, more power to him. You know, I think he's actually uh, tried his hand in boxing, too. I don't know how well that's working out, but, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's looking to stay competitive in their own way. And uh, I don't think that went very well for him, did it? No, I don't think it did no, either, but give no. giving an A for effort for trying. He tried, he tried, yeah. Yeah. All right, Rick, let's talk about Frank Gore. <laughs>
2: very, very uh, consistent, doesn't play around. You know, he's one of these guys that you just – you know he'll be there. You know he'll have a great game. But at the end of, the, of his career, and then the night you see his numbers, and you're just like, wow. You know, last night we were talking about, you know, Mount Rushmore pitchers, and, and uh, Don Sun was mentioned, and they were showing Don Sun's numbers. And he was a guy that.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. Dw avoid rubber prohibited by Wasn't
2: impressive. You knew he was a great pitcher, but you see his numbers at the end of his career, and they are like, how in the world did he not get in the Hall of Fame right away? I mean, this guy has all the numbers, and Frank Gore's the same. He's just people just underestimate, him, especially with those 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 surgeries. I mean, who who I I'm surprised he didn't go down even further. But I mean, he's been just remarkable, fantastic career. He's got more rushing yards than Barry Sanders, which is mind-boggling to me. Um, ne the guy was never hurt, never got into trouble, never said I'm never nothing bad about him. Just went in there, played the game. Very, very humble. He just wants to play, that's all, and just get a win. And that's all he was about. And I think people look back now and say, this guy was like one of the most underrated, most underappreciated NFL players ever. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And uh, we'll see what's maybe going to broadcasting, coaching, or the front office. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I think he's uh, talking about, hey, listen, you know what, being a Metro Detroiter, if anybody's going to move past Barry Sanders, I would rather it be Frank Gore because after all, he endured quite a bit for sure. And he took his career as far as he could. And to me, he's a guy that simply perseveres. So, but meanwhile, guys, what an incredible broadcast we've had tonight. Talk about LIV. Golf, And then we talk about Rafael Nadal and then Frank Gore. You want to talk about the triple crown of shows tonight with some unbelievable subjects all over the sports world. And I think we definitely accomplished that objective as well. So uh, with that said, any closing thoughts real quickly about any of the three things that we talked about?
4: Well, you know, uh, you mentioned about consistency and that's the word that comes to mind for Gore. And uh, you know, nine times he was over a thousand yards. I believe to, if is nine seasons. He topped a thousand yards rushing, and uh, nowadays it's 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 hard to find that kind of consistency. And uh, my hat's off to him, and 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 obviously to Roger Nadell, and uh, and yes, even my hat is off to Greg Norman to try something different and and, uh, and and make life a little bit fun as far as the golf tour goes. So, three great topics, Scott. I really appreciate it. This was a great discussion, guys.
1: Hi, right, Rick Curdy.
2: Yeah, I think I want to go I backtrack on Nadal. I think people are going to not realize how great he is. And, and he played, he's been playing against two outstanding tennis players in Federer and Djokovic in their prime. So that gives you more credibility of how great he is. And if he can win like a couple more, I mean, he could be up there with the Tom Brady's and the Tigers and the, the Jack Nicholas, the Michael Phelps i mean if michael jordan
4: and, don't forget jordan michael jordan as well and he's, <laughs> and he's
2: 36 years old and he looks great he hasn't like frank gore they don't age they, they get better like like why so it's amazing what he's done so if he could win like three or four more and maybe pass venus and become the all-time you know um champion of uh, men and women's he'll be up there with the brady's and the tigers and the jordans and uh and um Jack Nicholas and Phelps, no doubt. Mel? What was the question, Scott?
3: I was looking at... I
1: just up. wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to uh, comment on one or all three of the things uh, that we talked about tonight. I mean, I know what? we were definitely all over the sports world tonight for sure. So.
3: Well, I was looking at the list, and I was trying to think of who was ahead of Frank Gore. And then I see Walter Payton. And I said, man, Walter Payton put up 16,000 yards? I didn't, I didn't realize he set the bar that high when he left. You just kind of forget about it. And I was just looking at how long he played. I think he played about 13 years, if I'm not mistaken, something like something like that. And to put up, you know, I know the game was a lot different back then. It was, you know, very running back-centric and oriented back then. But, again, you know, it's a testament to his durability and availability as well, man. 16,000 yards in that game, man, is a lot of yards, especially for a little bitty guy. I mean, Walter Payton was only about 5'10", you know, maybe 200, something like that. And, boy, that's a lot of yards. But, you know, you have to take your hat off to these well, the, to, the, to the last latitude that we talked about for the longevity, uh, you know, longevity has a lot to do with being able to, you know, and not just hanging around just to be hanging around, I mean, hanging around and, and getting things done. Uh, Frank Gore was able to get a lot of things accomplished during his career, which probably a lot of people didn't didn't think he'd be able to do because of the injury problems that he had in, had in college, obviously. But, you know, talk about somebody, you know, you're just trying to get the most out of your God-given talents. You know, the greatest thing that God gives man is talent. The greatest gift that we give back to God is the full full utilization of those talents that we're given. And you, these are some guys, along with Tom Brady, that have, you know, utilized their talents to the fullest. You know, gotten every bit out of the talent that they were given. And you just have to appreciate that and, and have to be in awe of what they've been able to do. Now, as far as the tour is concerned, like I said, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach to it. Because, again, I really don't know what the gripe was. It seemed like they had a pretty good gig. I've gone to a couple of PGA uh, tournaments, and, you know, uh, we went to U.S. Open a long time ago when it was at Oakland Hills, long time ago. Um, Tiger Woods was – I think Tiger Woods was an amateur at that particular time, and him and his dad were, were staying at our house, and my mom was dropping him off at the golf course, and we went up there to – watch a couple rounds and we were watching some guy and, you know, I don't know what he was ranked, but I mean, he's walking down the fairway, smoking a cigarette, you know, you know, having, having a time of his life. He's on the PGA tour. Somebody's carrying his bags and, and and he's walking down and, you know, he's getting a check. I don't know how bad life could be on the PGA tour. I don't know. I'm not on the tour. I've never, you know, I don't, I've never heard any grunts, but it doesn't seem like a bad gig. You know, that's what I'm trying to get my grandsons prepared for is either life in the major league in Major League Baseball or the PGA Tour. You don't have to be the most athletic. Uh, you don't have to be the most athletically gifted. Uh, you just have to have some good hand-eye coordination to play both games. And so that's what I'm trying to get my my grandsons prepared to play, is either golf or baseball. doesn't seem like a bad gig to me.
1: Yeah, you know, what I'll take of this whole thing is I'm just amazed at the fact there's no cuts, 54 holes. And, you know, and I think they're going to get that uh, 50 to 150 type of golfer there in terms of the middle tier is concerned and you know to me they're just a lot of interesting and the fact that people are going to want
3: to watch that you know that's the thing are people going to want to watch that middle tier you know it's kind of like the usfl what we have right now people it's good for the for the players that because they need that live game action right but are people going to really you know Do you really want to watch a game where, you know, you don't have your superstars, the very, very, very best playing the game, where you don't have the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, all the name people? I mean, are you willing to really invest three or four hours to watch, you know, the bottom-ranked players on the tour?
1: Well, you know, I don't know, 50 to 150 isn't so bottom, especially the 50 part. So it'll just be interesting some of the names that ultimately – come over depending on how long this league goes on yeah. in terms of Rafael Nadal. You know what? I knew he was a heck of a tennis player, but when I'm looking at his numbers, I mean, it just makes you to appreciate him more to begin with when you consider that tennis is one sport that has one of the best traditions for a long, long period of time when you talk about the Hall of Famers you have there. And what else can I say about Frank Gore? I mean, my goodness, a position which is so demanding where you're lucky to get three to five years and this guy tripled it and he did it so well. So, you know, I again, you know,
3: second contract.
1: Yeah, that's true. No, that's a good point. So I think, you know, with all due respect, I when we can create a show like this and find three different things all over the sports world and combine it into one. And again, we're not I don't need to pet myself on the back. I've been doing this for, for 42 years anyways. But I think what I really enjoy about these shows is being able to find different things to keep you know, that stimulate discussion. And our goal here is to make sure we entertain and inform, uh, regardless of what the subject is, as long as we do it with good intentions and everybody has a fair opportunity to voice their opinion. That's all I'm looking to do. Folks, if, if you've gone out there and you've been entertained and you've learned something, all of us feel like we've done our job and that's, and I'm okay with that. And tonight, you know, you know, we can always joke around interchangeable terms, but our triple crown tonight was LIV golf, Rafael Nadal, Frank Gore, and you know what? Glad to have this crew to break them all down. I think it was certainly a show where you can be a bit more versatile about things. And you know, while football and baseball are certain are bread and butter sports as well as other ones, let's not lose sight of the fact that these other sports have excellent traditions as well. Especially when themes are what they are. So you know, I, I think we take a little bit of everything from all of them. But the intrigue factor for LIV golf—if it had my wheels turning. Is one thing, but I will say this before we uh, wrap it up. Outside the lines on ESPN Sports Center had it. So if they had it on Outside the Lines on ESPN Sports Center, then you know darn well that they obviously uh, are paying attention to what's going on with this LIV golf series. And certainly, why not talk about it? Because it's certainly worth the time. And like you said, Mel, we'll take a wait and see approach. So with that said, this, my name is Scott Roth. This is the Sports Exchange here. And i jo- pleased to be joined by Rick Curdy, George Icorn, Melfire Jr. Rick, with that said, why don't you lead off, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you.
2: You can find me on my website at www.charlottebats.com. You can go on there and sign a petition to bring Major League Baseball to Charlotte. I'm also on Facebook at Charlotte MLB, Charlotte Bats Baseball. Instagram is Charlotte Bats. Twitter Charlotte Bats Baseball. I'm also on LinkedIn under Rick Curdy. If you have any uh, comments or questions, my email address is cltbatsbaseball at gmail.com.
1: George Icorn.
4: Yes, you can reach me at SNG Sports 99 And also, I'm available on uh, email at uh, gicorn at yahoo.com. You can get a copy of my book, uh, which is The History of Detroit Sports Broadcasters, And it's a great book, and you would love to have it for less than $20. And it's available, Scott, and has a link on the website uh, to purchase a copy of it. And, uh, Scott, you're in that book, too, because uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, interviewing Jimmy Connors. And you've had some great interviews, Scott, over the years, uh, Muhammad Ali, and, and so many other great, great, great interviews you've done. And so that's a feature of my book as well, a a, a nice history
1: book of all the sports broadcasting legends from Detroit and the state of Michigan. Well, I'm glad to be a part of it. You and I work together forever anyway, so it's good that you, if there's anybody uh, that can definitely go ahead and appreciate Detroit. I should also point out Rick Curdy does an incredible job promoting our stuff, content, both audio as well as uh, broadcast. And written up, as well as social media. George Icorn is uh, one of the co-hosts for Fire Up Michigan. In addition, to what he does on the Sports Exchange. With that said, I'm going to hand it hand it over to my running back Mel Far Jr. Go ahead, and Mel. Let everybody know how they get a hold of you.
3: On all the social media at Mel Far Jr. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn at Mel Far Jr. Uh, email address Mel Jr. at gmail.com, and then you can find out what we have going on. Down here in atlanta also up there in michigan for the youth at melfar.org
1: all right well i guess that leaves yours truly here my name is scott morganoff ceo of the south florida tribune you can subscribe to the south florida Tri- tribune uh, on our youtube channel so you can get all the visuals off it as well or go to our website www.southfloridatribune.com and you can also follow us on twitter at tribune south And if you want to advertise, feel free to give me a call at 954 304 4941. The audio portion of the show can actually be heard on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to find us. Our special shout out to Candy Ebling, who does a tremendous job with going out there to make sure all the content is put up there, both not all the audio and the visual, but as well as the written stuff. And I should have pointed out a programming note that debuting on June 13th will be fire up Wisconsin. So, you know, looking forward to having Candy Ebling and Eric Katz as your primary co-host, Mark Mancini and I get to take a little bit of a background there as well. We have a lot of other good shows in the works. So, you know, we have a lot of things cooking, so feel free to subscribe to the South Florida Tribune YouTube channel no, doesn't cost you to do it. You should have the subscribe button when you watch these broadcasts up there. Otherwise, just go to the website, locate it, or just go to our YouTube channel. And Once again, you can find us at Tribune South. And you can even find a YouTube link there to find it as well. So lots of ways to go ahead and get the shows, both audio and visual. And we hope that we can go out there and be a part of your evening and process the information that we have. So meanwhile, on behalf of Rick Curdy, George Eichhorn, and Mel Farr Jr., my name is Scott Morgan Roth. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Sports Exchange. Take care, everybody. Until the next time, good evening, and God bless everyone, and please be safe out there. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye.